Hi there, Megan Thompson with Megan Thompson Coaching and today we're going to talk about managing the winter blues or the winter chaos that you might be experiencing when parenting a highly sensitive child stuck in the meltdown cycle. So let's get started. Hello and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children? Stop walking on eggshells and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you want to know the answer, you're in the right place. Here at MTC, we help parents of highly sensitive kids break out of the meltdown cycle in as little as eight weeks. We help parents of of children ages two through 14. Those are eighth graders. Uh, And then when we work directly with teenagers and their parents, uh, we work with high school students in um, in the U.S. high school system age group for our, our teamwork, right? So when we think about the meltdown cycle, I want to make sure that everybody's on the same page. When I talk about this, what I'm referring to is a sensitive child or teenager who is exhibiting intense behaviors that are out of control multiple times a week, multiple times a day, or at least once a day, right? So what we're talking about is a high frequency and and a high level of intensity. So many of you might be experiencing meltdowns that can last for multiple hours, even 30 minutes, you know, all the way down to to 10 minutes at a time. But the frequency is important to pay attention to in addition to the duration. So if your child is losing their mind multiple times a day, this is not developmentally appropriate. All right, so what do I mean by losing their mind? Their behavior is out of control and they are not able to manage themselves or regulate this. This might look like their body is on the floor, they are hitting, kicking, throwing things, generally frustrated and irritable all day long. This is a symptom of the meltdown cycle as well. And when we see this, we can see this for children who are shutting down, where they're just not even talking to you at all. And this can be relevant for your nine-year-old, your 10-year-old, even high school students, we see this relevant for our teenagers. The shutdown isolation cycle, refusal cycle, not attending school is more relevant for older children, but uh, younger children will, refu- will refuse to follow through on, on tasks as well. So when we think about the cycle, I'm not really uh, describing behavior that is not seen for children no matter their age, right? Um, You might have a nine-year-old who is really struggling significantly to the point where their body is on the floor and they are hitting and kicking. Uh, Same thing for, you know, shutdowns and and just completely being in a situation where you you can't get a word in edgewise, your child is not hearing you. And that might be true for your four-year-old, it might be true for your 16-year-old. So we're seeing this high level of, of, Uh, frustration, worry, anxiety, aggravation happening multiple times a day. And this level of stress is impacting the whole family, which is why we call it a cycle. Especially when parenting a highly sensitive child, the entire family is stuck in this cycle. And this is what we help parents break out of. There's a critical component to supporting your sensitive child that many people will not talk about. Uh, and that's the purpose of our show here. And and what that is, is the fact that this meltdown cycle is shifted only 
only through a change in the parent-child dynamic, okay? Um, there's countless research studies that speak about the fact that if you don't change the way that you're parenting, if you don't change the way that you are uh, supporting your child, relating to them, setting limits and boundaries, then your child's meltdowns, shutdowns, refusals, uh, they might subside due to any other environmental cause, but what you'll see is a whack-a-mole situation. You'll see another more intense or differently intense behavior pop up, and you might see that as progress or you know unrelated, but what's critically important to understand in the meltdown cycle is that what we're looking for when you break the cycle, meltdown-free days, meltdown-free weeks, meltdown-free months, okay? Um, and all of those behaviors, hitting, kicking, uh, cursing, throwing things, shutting down, refusing to follow through, all of those behaviors are also dissipating and they're not happening regularly either. So a highly sensitive child who feels healthy, calm, capable of following their, their own um, desires and following through on expectations with you, they're able to creatively solve their problems. A highly sensitive child is able to hear a direction, say, you know what, I have a few more minutes left in my game, is it okay if I, if I wait? And then accept the limit, whether it's yes, yes you can or no you can't, we gotta go buddy. And that is regardless of age. That's the creative capacity that a highly sensitive child can demonstrate. So if you're stuck in the meltdown cycle, it's very important for you to notice that this is a subset of highly sensitive uh, children and, and teenagers. Not all highly sensitive children and teenagers are stuck in the meltdown cycle. And when they are, it's a family dynamic issue. The entire family needs to shift. And you as the, the parents are at the helm of the family dynamic. Okay, so this is what we're talking about today, specifically related to winter time, right? Because what you might have noticed for your child is, um, you know, during the spring and fall when there's routine and structure that your child can rely on and, um, and, and you can rely on, your child might fare better in their mood. They might fare better in their um, emotional expression because a lot of things are happening that they can expect and they can get their energy out outside and it's generally you know positive weather where parents typically struggle is you know and some parents stuck in this cycle will struggle seasonally all right uh, and this is important to notice that the struggle doesn't go away it just shows up differently in different seasons for some families this is what we're talking about here so if you find yourself noticing that when your child is is struggling during the winter months uh, it's important to to focus on a, a few things that we're going to talk about that today. I want to describe this problem though. You might be struggling with noticing for your child what they can be doing with their busy bodies and and uh, to exercise their mind and keep their creativity going if they can't go outside regularly, right? Um, you know, it's cold, it's windy, it's rainy, it's uh, bitter, and and highly sensitive children can be sensitive to their environment. What happens? Uh, they might be even more so responsive to the, the change in weather compared to either you or their other uh, sensitive siblings that are, that are, or the other siblings that are not sensitive, excuse me. So what does that mean? It means that uh, the, the wind whipping in your child's face might be intolerable, unbearable for your sensitive child, uh, whereas a, a non-highly sensitive child might be able to tolerate it because they're really excited about going sledding, right? So when we think about being able to maintain the winter routine and, and shift out of this dynamic of, um, uh, you know, of, of only of you know counting down the days and looking forward to when the sun is more available and, and is brighter and warmer, 
I want to give you some key practical components that you need to be uh, focused on in maintaining what works for highly sensitive kids. And one of those things that works particularly is routine. Now, highly sensitive kids thrive on a sense of safety. Safety builds trust and uh, trust builds follow through with parents and, and children. And part of that safety is being able to know what to expect, right? So when you know what to expect, then you can, then you can trust that, uh, that you can build skills to you know persist through challenge if, if the majority of your life is is um you know is of routine or is reliable okay so obviously raising kids you know as a parent as we all do that nothing is a guarantee there are a lot there are a lot of changes in life and we need to be able to tolerate change and move through change and persist through change and it's also true that your sensitive kid will thrive on being able to rely on a routine. So how do we fix that, right? How do we how do we balance those two things that are true at the same time? Well, first thing is noticing that if your child benefits from access to nature, as we know, nature can be quite healing for highly sensitive kids. It can be really uh, useful tool to make sure that your child goes outside on a daily basis year round. Uh, then it's important to support your sensitive kid in taking action on that, even if the neighborhood isn't hustling and bustling uh, to, you know, to keep that pattern regular for, for your sensitive kid or teen. And doing that uh, consistently will support them in, in managing their mood. Access to sunshine, being able to get the, um, the sun in their, in their eyes to support their circadian rhythm will be really, really helpful in maintaining sleep as well as in um, communicating to, to, their, to their brain, wake times, sleep times, etc. Um, onset and maintenance is what I'm talking about. So sleep onset is going to bed on time, having that not take hours. Um, and then also maintenance, being able to stay asleep throughout the night. So when we think about that, one thing that's important for you to notice for sensitive kids is that, that you're paying attention to the sensory components to their overwhelm, as I mentioned earlier with the wind. So you wanna assess your child and notice how they fit the criteria for highly sensitive trait, D-O-E-S, and, and go ahead and watch my other show or listen to, um, to the, the components of the trait to, to, to set up uh, how your child fits that, um, fits that subset, each subset in order to pay attention to the sensory sensitivities, particularly related to weather, so that your child feels supported in going outside and, and feels capable in going outside. Now, the next thing that's important is to pay attention, especially to um, you know, weather appropriate uh, clothing, right? Now, a lot of sensory uh, struggles that highly sensitive kids can have is dealing with multiple layers and the sensation that that creates and the level of intensity that that creates if they're wearing heavy outerwear. And uh, one thing that we also know just in terms of the hundreds of families that we've worked with so far is that a lot of highly sensitive kids can run hot but it might not be appropriate for your child to go outside without outerwear, right? So it's important to work with your child to find ways to get creative about that. Perhaps silks, um, under, you know, silk underwear is more, more effective for them with a sweatshirt than uh, you know, a big heavy winter coat. And obviously if you live in Alaska or Canada or you know, any other more Northern um, area in, around the world, then it's important for you to take into consideration, you know, temperatures and, and um, the experience and likelihood of frostbite when your child's playing outside, obviously. But it's also important to, to pay attention to how you can think outside the box with your child and getting them prepared to manage the change in 
uh, and outerwear is one of the things that is necessary in, in terms of the winter months. But one thing that parents are um, often you know, missing in this when we help our, our, our clients is focusing on helping your child get ready to get ready. And so preparing for the winter months much earlier is gonna be something that you should pay attention to next fall. Um, supporting your teen or your, or your sensitive child and being able to tolerate heavier clothing um, when it's less of a necessity is going to be useful so that when you know the rubber meets the road, it's time for your child to put on that heavy coat, um, they are more used to the process and it's less of a, um, you know, a high intense moment where you know, they have to put it on. So pacing that process is, is true for highly sensitive kids in, in a lot of different scenarios, uh, but especially related to weather, it's, it's very important. So uh, the next thing that I think is critical is the difference between kids you know, who have sensory difficulties and sensory overwhelm to the point where it's a diagnosable disorder, you know, sensory processing disorder, compared to highly sensitive children who fit the sensory processing uh, sensitivity trait, which is um, separate highly sensitive children are going to be more overwhelmed by emotional intensity and that will lead to their inconsistency in uh, struggle with wearing um, different, you know, different clothing that creates different sensations. So you can be quite puzzled, right? As a parent, you know, yesterday the coat was fine, today my kid's stressed and the coat is a disaster, you know, putting the coats on is a disaster, Ma massive fight, right? So it's important for you to notice that that's not a willful child you're dealing with. Your child is struggling with overwhelm and that's leading to the intensity that they're experiencing. So there's a big difference between a brain being confused, I can't handle the information that this big heavy coat is giving to my skin, giving to my muscles, uh, giving to my nervous system. That's a more of a disordered component or one might be more appropriately say neurodivergent uh, digestion of the information. There's some wires getting crossed in the brain and then the nervous system and communication compared to a stress and overwhelm leading to the, the difficulty in putting on the coat. When your child is stressed and overwhelmed and then they're, you know, they're refusing to put on their coat, you need to notice that that is uh, what the cause is in order to break this pattern down at the root so that no matter the stress level your child is able to tolerate wearing weather appropriate clothing. Um, next, when we look at this, it's important for your child to be able to build insights on cold signals. Okay, so when we think about highly sensitive kids, if you are telling them that it's cold and they need to, um, they need to wear a coat, um, your child needs to be able to tolerate cold or in hot weather, right? And understand that. And some children need support in understanding what is cold, what feels cold to them. And uh, allowing that level of awareness and insight is going to support them in managing their follow through on these expectations. Because if they're overwhelmed by the coat and they also feel cold, they're going to need to come up with a solution to that problem, right? But if they're so overwhelmed by the coat, and on any other stress during the day that they can't even notice that it's cold, then you'll have outright refusal and uh, frozen responsivity. They, will, they won't be able to acknowledge with you that, it's, that the code is necessary.
okay? So we've got a frozen, you know, broken communication pattern here that is, that is critically important to, to, um, to surpass in order to get your child to follow through on the cold. So you wanna be able to support your child in noticing the sensation differences between hot and cold weather, hot and cold experiences, and how they observe that in, uh, in their everyday life. That is going to support them in being able to be cognizant and organize the experiences when overwhelmed, okay? So when we look at this, it's important for you uh, as a parent to also manage the, the awareness of, of what's likely for your child in, in these, um, these experiences. Because for you, if you're struggling with needing to get out the door and uh, you know, going outside for, for you is also kind of a, you know, not a favorite. I mean, I'm not here to judge. I moved from Massachusetts down to Maryland to, to deal with less snow, to deal with less cold. I'm, I'm not a big um, cold fan unless I'm, I'm out on the mountain uh, engaging in winter sports. And, uh, and so there's no judgment here for, for those of you who prefer uh, warm weather. And if you're also stressed out about the winter and, and stressed out about um, you know, wanting to, to get the job done and get from you know, the house to the car or from the car to the, um, out across the parking lot to the school or to the um, you know, grocery store, et cetera, then that level of overwhelm is, is going to, and frustration is going to increase your um, tension in, in the relationship that you have with your child. So you wanna make sure that you're also taking care of yourself and paying attention to how you're contributing to the experience. Um, so, you know, as an example, I, you know, when it's, when it's chilly and, and perhaps I'm, I underestimated how many layers I needed, my daughter is, is wanting to tell me a story when we get in the car. Um, you know, she's not struggling with the, uh, with the weather, but this is an example and, I, and I'm sharing, um, you know, sweetheart, I'm cold. So you can tell me when we're all buckled in. I, I can't concentrate right now. It's the wind is too chilly or, you know, same thing with, with when it's raining, right? So being able to be mindful in those high stress or high um, action or oriented experiences is going to be useful for you, as well as uh, managing how you address your child in that moment. You know, get in the car, we'll talk about this later, compared to I'm chilly, I wanna hear what you have to say, we'll get in the car soon, right? So big difference in delivery, big difference in your child's ability to hold on to their thought enough, you know, long enough for you to buckle them in or, um, you know, close the door and, and pack the groceries in and then get in the car yourself, right? So when we think about being able to manage your own emotional state, this is, this is a bigger component uh, related to the season itself, right? Um, because if it's your tendency to hibernate, then you will need to be able to teach your child how to manage their big um, sensations in their body and their need to dispel energy inside the house too, right? Because if it's difficult for them to go outside and send them out to go play, um, especially if, if, you know, at this time of year with cold and flu season being, you know, running amok, uh, it might be difficult to, um, you know, to have reliable play dates, right? Kids can cancel, I mean, parents can cancel um, uh, pretty, you know, pretty last minute related to children, you know, waking up with, with a cold, et cetera. So um, paying attention to your motivation and whether or not your outdoor play is contingent upon having friends <laughs> to, um, to make that happen and, and big plans 
and what you can do to keep that same level of um, you know, sunshine access and, and outdoor and fresh air experiencing uh, around your own home so that that, that continues to be par a consistent part of your child's routine because the alternative is that we can uh, tend to move into more, like I said, hibernating type behaviors, which can include additional screen time. You know what, let's just throw in a movie. We were gonna be out and about, but um, I'd rather just snuggle. And as an adult, we can manage that uh, and mitigate the effects of that much differently than our children can. So it's important for us to be paying attention to how we can help our children stay active, even in um, the, the inside um, you know, environment. So paying attention to different activities that you can sign your kids up for that, that require, you know, that can support them with, um, you know, with, with, with expelling their energy and then also having a backup plan for um, when play dates are canceled last minute that helps them stay uh, focused and and, um, energy, and the energy is, is expounded. Um, you know, rock climbing facilities, um, indoor playgrounds, things of that nature. Um, so that your child, while not getting the, the, um, the, the outdoor exposure is still uh, able to uh, be moving outside of the home so that you have the ability to uh, not, you know, just fall into a, a, the easier pattern, um, which is to, you know, keep them home and, and, and then, you know, you have a situation on your hands where the children are just antsy and, and uh, that can lead to meltdowns as well, okay? So when we think about being able to help your child match your energy and support you in following through on directions, one of the things that can be really useful when you have a child who has a lot of energy, it's you can't send them outside to expel it. You want to be engaging in games and, and practices that help them mimic your um, your energy, right? And you want to create situations where your child is going up and down with you in, in energy so that they're following directions and that they're also practicing regulating with you. So that's the concept of co-regulation. So when we think about um, that process and having that be part of your routine, then when your child is antsy and ramping up, it's a lot easier for you to engage in games and and um, and activities that that allow this because your child is used to it and it feels much less a, like an instruction. Hey, kid, you're off the chain. You need to go chill out. Let's go do this coping skill, right? We know highly sensitive kids can really struggle with that level of being called out, especially if they are stuck in the meltdown cycle and you haven't broken out of it. There's a shame response to that. No, I don't need this skill. What are you talking about? Um, or you know, any any less. Um, uh, verbose ways of telling you as a parent that now is not some, not the time that they recognize they need to be uh, managing the intensity in their body and their restlessness. Okay, so if if these challenges are things that you are uh, struggling with, this is just one part of the puzzle, right? Um, it's important for you to be able to teach your child to, to change their behavior consistently by paying attention, like I mentioned earlier, to how you're responding in this environment playfully engaging your child, two of those things we talked about today, uh, as well as paying attention to supporting your child in communicating their needs throughout the day and decreasing their intense emotions throughout the day so that you're not uh, engaging in this, um, uh, you know, 
hostage situation, hostage negotiation situation right when the meltdown's about to happen. We want your child be digesting their emotions all day long rather than you trying to, you know, head the meltdowns off at the pass when your kid's already a three out of five intensity. Um, supporting your child and noticing when they are a one out of, out of five, when they're a two out of five and decreasing that back down to zero so that it decreases the likelihood of it climbing, 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 right? Now, this can be really hard for some parents, especially if your child appears to go from zero to 60, zero to five, right? I'll keep my metaphor here, um, my, my scale appropriate here, um, in, the, you know, in zero seconds flat, right? And so if that's the case and, and it's difficult for you to notice those signs and triggers, then professional support is likely more appropriate. Finding ways to identify how those triggers are happening is, is something that we help our clients do all the time. Uh, prevention is critical in, in breaking out of the meltdown cycle. And the other half of that puzzle is how to strategically teach your child to manage their intense emotions and to do that not just seasonally, but year round, right? Um, and and say, share those safe emotions, those intense emotions with you in a safe way, right? Without the hitting, without the kicking, without the yelling. Uh, and to do that, it might be appropriate for you to seek professional support. And we're happy to have a conversation about whether or not what we do is going to be useful for you in your family dynamic. So how do you do that? You book a call with us. If you're parents of, of a child eighth grade and under, okay, we'll have a conversation with you. We'll talk about where you're struggling, what you're stuck on, uh, how long this challenge has been you know, relevant for you and how long you, what you've been trying to, to fix it. And then if, if what we see is, is you know, what you're challenged with and what you're struggling with is, is appropriate for the work that we do, then we'll share with you exactly how to break out of that pattern with us on that very same conversation. You can get started right away. If we notice that there's something either more um, effective, efficient, or or speedier for you to you know to break out of that pattern, then uh, then we'll share with you uh, that that avenue. There might be some steps you need to take before working with us would be appropriate, uh, or working with us might not be appropriate at all, and uh, we'll steer you in that direction, a different direction uh, instead. So we're happy to have that conversation. It's free. If you're parenting a teen and uh, your teen is struggling, especially during the winter time, you might need to you might see some some decrease in their um, emotional uh, resiliency when uh, you know it's difficult to get together with their friends and there's there's not a lot of fun to be had um, outside of the home then you definitely want to be paying attention to how you can get them support and how they can create that level of community year round. And we do that with our teens uh, in, in the group work that we do. Your teen and uh, our one of our coaches will talk in addition to uh, with, the, with parents to discuss whether or not we can support you and if your teen is ready for that support and we'll, uh, we'll walk you through how that, that plan can be put into place, okay? Um, again, happy to have those conversations. We look forward to talking to you soon. Have a great day. Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen, what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. 
and we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson, and we look forward to speaking to you soon.